welcome to Conveyancing Matters with Lorraine and Stu. Join us for a chat about all things property. Hello, hello, Stu. How are you doing? Looking very fine in your black there. I know the black matches the mood at the moment, a Monday morning, all that kind of thing. <laughs> morning. Yeah, but if people are listening to this in about a month on a Wednesday, then we're going to look... Yeah, good point, good point. Well, I think every day is merging into one at the moment. Oh, the, I know, uh, I know. current workloads we've all got, so... Well, on this Conveyancing Matters chat, hopefully we're going to talk about something that might uh, interest people, interest our lovely conveyances and provoke a bit of interest, because we want to talk about um, COVID clauses, yes or no, because of course we're back in a lockdown, which um, frankly I suspect we're going to be sort of in and out of for, for, for the coming months really, too, in one way or another. So I don't think this uh, this um, this Conveyancing Matters chat's going to go out of date anytime soon. But of course a really vexed issue for conveyances, isn't it, is this issue of, you know, should we put the so-called Covid clause in a contract or shouldn't we? Um, and you know, perhaps just by way of sort of scene setting, you know, one of the one of the many good things about the um, standard conditions of sale contract that we use in conveyancing is certainty. And despite the fact that, um, you know, uh, it might sound a bit awful, but, you know, if you've entered into the contract to buy and sell the specified land, you know, uh, and somebody has a, 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 a terrible life event, be it sort of, a, you know, a death in the family or they lose their job or whatever. Well, you know, the big upside of certainty is that we know it's going to happen. But the downside is if somebody has a sort of personal event that causes a problem, they're still going to have to complete. You've even got to complete if you die, as we know, Stu. So there's obviously a huge amount around at the moment and a lot of comment and some provisions going around on these so-called COVID clauses. The idea that we as conveyancers should be putting something or advising our clients to put a clause in the contract to try to deal with the, the COVID situation. So, so kick it over to you, Stu. What, you know, what, um, what are your thoughts? I've got some views on this stuff. So, um, so you know, what, what are you doing? What are PCS doing about this? We, we don't have a, a standard uh, COVID clause that we use. Um, we don't, as a, as a practice, put COVID clauses into our contracts. Um, we have enhanced, I suppose would be the word, um, the advice that we give to our clients uh, when they sign the contract before they commit. Um, so for the non-lawyers out there, you know, when we exchange contracts, the clients are going to be legally bound to buy a property on a, on a pre-agreed date. Um, and I suppose that the, the theory behind the COVID clause is that if somebody, part of the chain, buyer-seller, gets the, uh, the COVID-19 in between exchange and completion, they can effectively delay completion. Um, but for me, nothing's been tested. Uh, the COVID clauses that I see are merely sort of two, three lines. Um, and as you've said at the start here, you know, the whole point of a contract is everything's definite, everything's certain. And this is giving people sort of wriggle room, um, the ability to potentially, um, what can we say, um, you know, get out of, uh, of, of maybe completing whether they've got it or not. And not something personally I can see, uh, you know, that much value in it's a real difficult one because of course we've got to protect our clients um and if a client asked us to put one in we certainly would but as a standard practice it's not something we're doing we're merely increasing the advice that we give to our clients and sort of spelling it out that you know when you exchange contracts you'll be legally bound to complete yeah. on that date um and if for whatever reason the current climate you know took hold and 
know, you couldn't get removals or, or you or somebody in the chain did contract COVID-19, um, then of course it might cause a problem. And if you don't complete uh, for whatever reason, these are the implications. Yeah. So it's really just sort of enhancing the, you know, the, the advice that we give to a client before they enter into that contract. Yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting, Stu, that you've sort of beefed up your existing advice. Um, what I found interesting sort of, um, you know, maybe in some ways as more of an observer, because I sort of tend to see what a lot of firms are doing and a lot of solicitors, what I've certainly seen on Twitter and, um, and on LinkedIn in particular is conveyances seem to have, you know, very quite polarised views on this. Some of them seems to, you know, seem to think that, you know, COVID clauses are the best thing since shark repellent and we all absolutely ought to have them. And, you know, everybody's negligent if we don't deal with, you know, if we don't have one. And other people on the other side of on the other end of the spectrum are sort of saying, well, you know, um, you know, don't like them, wouldn't touch them, etc. What I've not managed to do is to have any sort of, you know, dialogue with anybody that's re a real, uh, you know, evangelist for COVID clauses and really explore um you know what they're using what precedents they're doing and certainly there are you know there are precedents out there um so for example the law society in case anybody's interested and hasn't seen it um put put a, a standard one together a few months ago with uh, a number of groups involved bold legal being one of them um and to be completely fair to all of those organizations i absolutely applaud them for doing that i think to try to uh, you know, come up with, you know, um, an industry standard, albeit, of course, typically with the Law Society, they said, oh, well, this isn't meant to be a precedent. And no, 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 this is only your starting point. But of course, what, you know, the difficulty that these provisions have to, and, and you'll forgive me if I look with one, well, well, first of all, is even defining what COVID is. Because itself, I think, scientifically, you know, that is a moving feast. Um, so what, however we might define COVID or the regulations within which that sits now, that could easily have changed. So if anybody is being really, really, really sort of, you know, anal about this, well, in two years time when the test case runs, um, you know, you might be looking at whether or not the, the, the clause was completely meaningless because, you know, the definition upon which it ba was based had changed. But of course, they try to sort of package up within these clauses the definition plus the, the delay events they've tended to be called which um which would then allow the parties to to invoke the um the the provisions and of course then it just gets terribly terribly complicated because you've then got within these provisions the process of sending notices to you know the other side which then you know clearly involves the solicitors and i, I mean i won't mention you know which of the um precedent providers this is but they've come up with this sort of enormous you know with the notes eight page <laughs> um uh, you know supposed covid clause and they've sort of defined you know tried to sort of say that any of the following um you know might uh, you know trigger the use of yeah. any illness quarantining shielding or self-isolation including but not limited to precautionary self-isolation blah 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 and so it goes on and before you know we started talking about this too you know you mentioned of course it's absolutely right you know what we lawyers like is a bit certainty um and you know how do you prove that that this um event has occurred 
Yeah, see, I mean, there's too much, um, well, there's no certainty regarding any of those words, that word you've just used, is there? And, and that's the problem. And my sort of fear is that, you know, I have a position where I can either advise the client exactly what they're about to do and the implications if they can't complete because of COVID-19, or I can advise a client that we can put this clause into the contract. But then surely my advice has to go a lot further because I can't say to the client that, yeah, this clause is all fine, it'll all be okay. And um, because what happens if it's not? What happens if, you know, in a court of law it doesn't stand up? So am I not sort of on one hand, um, you know, sh shifting the sort of issue from one hand to another? You know, all of a sudden I've advised the client, you're okay to contract because yeah. of this clause we've got, which has never been tested in a court of law, which contains no certainty whatsoever. Um, you know, I think I'm probably taking more of a risk, in my opinion, by actually having the clause in there potentially than not, um, because I'm setting a precedent to the client that, yeah, it'll all be okay, don't worry, you're not going to have tons of damages sort of falling on your shoulders because you're in a chain of 10 and blah, 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 blah. Um, I think it's sort of on Robin Peds to pay Paul all the time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm completely with you on this one, Stu. I mean, funnily enough, um, I do think if anybody is going to try and put a COVID clause in a contract that actually, you know, maybe a straightforward three liner is, is, is the better way forward anyway, because what is, what is absolutely clear from these precedents is that the whole, um, the whole thing is based on, it's predicated on, and it's enshrined in the wording, the parties acting in good faith. Um, and if, and if that's sort of the basis of this, then I question the need to have all of that other guff in there. Because if you're basically saying, well, you know, as a matter of good faith, you know, the parties agree that if one of them, um, you know, has to delay, and you could probably almost at that point say for any related, for any, for any reason. Yeah. You know, because if I wanted, and I, you know, you alluded to it, Stu, but if I wanted to, um, uh, you know, be difficult or shifty, well, I could just say, sorry, guys, I'm self-isolating. I wouldn't have to have any proof. And before, and, and these, these clauses originally came out before, you know, the app and before the testing and all the rest of yeah. it, before the so-called test and trace. Um, or somebody put recently, <laughs> trace the test, because they were quite good. <laughs> um, but, you know, so now at least you probably could, you know, show the screenshot yeah. of your app where you've been told to self-isolate. But before... I think, I think the word, yeah, I think the word, it could be manipulated to your yes. advantage, couldn't it? Absolutely. Um, without doubt that that could be something that could easily happen, unfortunately. I'm not suggesting everybody wants to do that, but the whole point of exchanging contracts in the first place is that, you know, everybody's bound in and, and there's not those sort of situations where people can opt out. Yeah, um, for different reasons. Um, I think, and also, and again, to be completely fair and quite understandably, the the advice in gen general terms, uh, or you know, that the law society um, gave conveyances in this context is that, um, uh, you know, the, you know, the risks and or, or the the agreement that you know the new clauses, everything should be explained to the client. Well, the very obvious question that comes into my mind is this is this is quite a complex you know legal provision with with a huge number of what ifs so the yeah. question i would bounce back to, to to you and other Stu, is um to my mind this is complex risky advice yeah. so surely in that instance firms need to be 
well, reserving the right to increase their legal fees if they're having to give COVID-related advice. Um, and, and, you know, would you want to be giving this advice and, and the huge amount of additional work it would involve, you know, within your current fee structure? I think the answer is no. I mean, there's zero chance of passing that cost on to a client when they've already entered into an agreement with a, a fixed fee for their, their conveyance in. Mm. Number two, yeah, we don't want to really pass advice on regarding contractual provisions that, you know, we can't sort of guarantee. I think there's got to be a line here because surely with all these if, buts and maybes, where, where do you do, draw this line? Because, you know, what about a mortgage? Okay, all of a sudden, you know, mortgage companies in theory must be far more likely to withdraw their products at the moment with potential redundancies and stuff like that. But we always advise a client that, you know, you're contracting with your buyer or your seller. Um, you know, you're not contracting with your bank until we use their money therefore in theory a mortgage offer can be withdrawn in between exchange and completion well if we take that example we're not sort of having sort of you know we're not exchanging subject to mortgage every five minutes no. so where do we draw the line it seems there's a massive focus on COVID-19 and the implications but I think there's offshoots of this you know with the, the I know the furlough scheme has been extended and whatnot but you know there's sure to be mass redundancies particularly in the UK on the horizon and therefore, you know, do all of a sudden, should we be doing subject to mortgage clauses in our contracts? Now, where do you draw the line? Yeah, Surely, know. you know, you've got to sit there and your job is to advise your client. You know, and our advice is it's difficult at the moment. There is an increased chance. There is increased risk by doing what you're about to do. You have the choice. You can simultaneously exchange and complete on the same day if this is of concern to you. You know, it's not as if there are not other options that are out there. There are. It's, it's interesting, so, Stu, because um, I read uh, another article, um, you know, by another conveyancer who, you know, was just excoriating about a simultaneous exchange and completion, thought it was the best, you know, the worst thing ever. But to, to my mind, in the current market, the simultaneous, and, and as I've described it, is, you know, it's the least worst option. Yeah. You know, I am... Um, I spent years teaching, um, you know, you know, all around the country, but Leeds and Manchester in particular, I've always found really interesting because for years, I mean, this isn't any time recent because I've not been out face to face teaching for, you know, for six months, but um, they have just got into the habit up there. I think probably due to demands from the agents and their clients to do a simultaneous, they just do a simultaneous almost as a matter of course, have been doing for years on lots of, lots of transactions because they're under so much pressure and they don't know they can get their mortgage advance in time until the day. Um, but I've said to so many classes of people, Stu, I can't tell you, well, do you advise your clients on the consequences of a simultaneous? The fact that there's no contractual liability, we're all aiming for a date, oh, in good faith, um, but if somebody doesn't meet the date, then, uh, you know, people can pull out and move on without without penalty. Do you explain that to your clients? And you would be shocked at the number of people that say no. No, just, you know, don't just don't do it. Funny enough, right. we, ha we, have a, we have a standard report that goes out to our client. If they're looking to enter into a simultaneous arrangement, we have a standard report that goes to our client to explain what they're about to do, the consequences of doing it, that, you know, 
again, I, I just always fall back to that default position. Surely our job is to advise the client, not to make their decisions. Well, that's, of course, the thing, isn't it? And, I've, and I find myself saying this such a lot that, you know, we advise our client instructs. We advise our client instructs. And so many people say, and they would say it to you all the time to do, well, what would you do? Well, okay, you know, what I would do is irrelevant. You know, okay. my, job is, my job is to explain the risk, to give the advice. The client then has to take some responsibility and weigh up on the basis of the information we've given them um you know what um you know what they want to do so maybe then to sort of draw this one to a close too because i you know i i think that people will find this interesting and i hope it you know i'd be genuinely interested actually to see you know covid clauses that other practitioners have used to you know that they think are going to work um uh but you know i think our conclusion is probably well you know go for the simultaneous if if there's any doubt really yeah, my, my conclusion is simply that you, you've got to advise your client before they enter into that contract um, of, of the implications by doing so. And that includes the current climate. You know, you've got to tell the client that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's different at the moment. We're in a, you know, a lockdown too. Although the property industry can function, you know, who knows what might happen in the next few weeks. There might be further lockdowns. Maybe we can't. They have to take that information into consideration when they make their decision and instruct us that they want to go ahead and if they you know feel that's too big a risk in my opinion then the answer is a simultaneous not advocating that we always do simultaneouses but you know it's the client's decision to make isn't it not ours yeah. we, we give them the information for them to make their decision yeah i agree and of course i think what a lot of people don't you know what a lot of people also forget is that if you have a covid clause in a chain all of the contracts in the chain ought to have have got to have the same clause. They've got to be predicated on the same basis. Um, and of course, the longer the chain, I think the less likely that is to happen. So, um, so maybe on that on that note, Stu, we'll draw this uh, we'll draw this conveyancing matters chat to a close. Um, as I say, I, you know, I think we might get some interesting comments. So let's look forward to that. So take care, mate. Take care. See you soon. Bye.